If you have a Bible, I want you to go with me, please, to the book of Ephesians. It comes in the middle part of God's New Testament, right after the book of Galatians, is the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. It was read a few minutes ago. Listen to it again. We're going to start in verse 4 this time, Ephesians 4, and look to verse 4. Paul said there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. At the very outset of tonight's lesson, I want you to know it's okay to disagree. It's okay not to see eye to eye on everything. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. Is there anybody in this audience that still uses the old King James Version? If you read from the King James, may I see your hand, please? Just old people, right? We old people. We old people like the King. I grew up on the King James. I, I still preach from it. But some of you like the NIV. Maybe you like the ESV. Maybe you like the American Standard. We disagree about our translations that we use. We disagree about the cars that we drive. Some of you are Ford people. Some of you are Chevrolet people. Uh, we disagree even about where we sit in church, right? I mean, some of you like to get down close to the front. And some of you like sitting back in the back. Some of you are over on this side and some of you are over on this side. We disagree about politics. Oh, my, 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 do we disagree about politics. Some of you are Democrats. Some of you are Republicans. Some of you like the president. Some of you don't like the president. We even disagree about the ice cream that we eat. Have you noticed that Basking and Robbins has 31 different flavors? Think about it, folks. Why 31 different flavors? Because some of you like chocolate. And some of you like pecan. And it's okay to disagree about those things, but it's not okay to disagree about Ephesians chapter 4. Paul said there is one body and one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. Maybe you heard about the two guys. They were out fishing. They were in a boat. And one of them fell overboard, and he could not swim. He could not swim. And his friend, his buddy in the boat, reached down, and he grabbed his buddy by the arm, and he pulled. And the arm came off because his arm was artificial. He then reached down and grabbed him by the leg, and he pulled. And the leg came off because it was a wooden leg. He then reached down and grabbed him by the hair. And as you guessed it, it was a wig, it was a toupee, and the toupee came off. And the guy in the boat said, man, how can I help you if you don't stick together? Well, if there's anything that God wants, God wants His people to stick together. I mean, didn't the psalmist say in Psalm 133 and verse 1, Behold how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together. In unity. In unity. I don't know what's good and pleasant to you. Uh, maybe it's your family. Uh, maybe it's your clothes, your friends. i tell you what's good and pleasant with God. 
how good and how pleasant it is when my people stick together. And didn't Jesus pray for unity? John chapter 17, He prayed that we would all be one as He and the Father are one. Listen to me, folks. The Father and Jesus are not the same person. They're not the same person. But they are one in goal and direction and aim. And, and, and Jesus prays that we would be one just like He and the Father are one. And didn't the Apostle Paul beg for unity? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 10, Paul said, Now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. God says, I want my people to be together. Both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, God says, I want my people to stick together. About a week ago, I was up in Kentucky, Bardwell, Kentucky, preaching. And there's a little sign on the outskirts of Bardwell. And the sign says, Welcome to Bardwell, the community of unity. Well, if God wants anything, God wants us to be a community of unity. First of all, the Apostle Paul said there is one body. One body. Everybody look up here. Everybody look. How many bodies do you see standing before you? Be nice. Be nice. Do you see this body? This six foot three, 200 and <clears throat> pound body? Just one body, right? One body. Well, sometimes the word body is used in the Bible in reference to the physical body. For example, right here in this same book, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 28, Paul said, So ought men to love their wives as they love their own bodies. I'm to love Sandra, who, by the way, is down in Huntsville, staying with my mother this weekend. I'm to love my wife just like I love my body. And there the word body, the word bodies is used in reference to the physical body. That's not what Paul is talking about in Ephesians 4, verse 4. When Paul said there's one body, he's not talking about a physical body. He's talking about the spiritual body. You say, Keith, the spiritual body? I don't understand. What's the spiritual body? No doubt about it. Because in Ephesians chapter 1, right here in this same book, in chapter 1, verses 22 and 23, Paul said that God has put all things under Jesus' feet, given Him to be the head over all things to the church, which is His body, the church which is his body. So when the Bible says in Ephesians 4 verse 4, there's one body, you know what Paul is saying? He's simply saying, hey folks, there's just one church. Uh, don't be embarrassed about that. Don't be ashamed of that. God has a family. We call that family the church. And Paul says there's one body, there's one church. Have you ever heard anybody say, oh, the church is not that important? You know, one church is as good as another church. It really doesn't matter what church you go to. The church is not that important. You ever heard that? Let me ask you, my friend, is the blood of Jesus important? Is the death of Christ important? I'm asking, does the blood of Jesus, does the death of Christ matter? You say, the blood of Jesus, nothing more important than the blood of Jesus, and you're right. But if the blood of our Lord is important, 
then that for which Jesus shed His blood is important. The church is extremely important. Don't minimize the church. Don't criticize the church. Love the church. Oh, Paul says there is one body. There's one family. The family of God is called the church of God. The churches, congregations, the churches of Christ salute you, Romans 16 and verse 16. Paul said there's one body and... He goes on to say, one spirit, one body and one spirit. You say one spirit, yes. That's the Holy Spirit that God gives to all them that obey Him. Acts 5 verse 32. How many Christians do we have here tonight? If you are, are a Christian, a baptized believer, uh, be proud of it. May I see your hand please? Everybody look around. We've got a lot of Christians in this audience. You know, when you became a Christian, three wonderful things happened. When you were baptized, three wonderful things happened. Number one, your sins were washed away by the blood of Jesus. Acts twenty-two sixteen. 16. And I said to Saul, why do you wait? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. In the second place, you were added. When you became a Christian, you were added to the family of God. Again, we call the family of God the church. Acts 2, 47, God added the saved to the number. He added the saved to the church. But the third wonderful thing that happened when you were baptized into Christ, you received a very special gift. Now, folks, I understand that Christmas is, what, two months away? Have you done your Christmas shopping? You're going to get a lot of nice things for Christmas, but I'm telling you, you're not going to get anything nicer than you got when you were baptized. You received a gift when you were baptized. You know what you received when you were baptized? The gift of God's Spirit. You say, Keith, how do you know that? Again, the Bible tells me so. Acts 2.38. It's our verse. What does it say? Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you know something, folks? We often stop there, but that's not the end of the verse. He goes on to say, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You say, Keith, I'm confused. What's the gift of the Holy Spirit? Well, let me illustrate like this. In my hand, I have a $5 bill. Sweetheart, what's your name? Yeah. Say it again. Katie. Katie, do you go to church here? This is your church. I've got a gift for you. This is a gift of a $5 bill. She's shocked. She's never seen a preacher give away money in her life, right? Has Joseph ever given you money? Okay, there you go. My gift to Katie, a $5 bill. The gift of a $5 bill is a $5 bill, right? The gift of a $20 bill. And Katie, that would have been much better, right? The gift of a $20 bill is a $20 bill. In my pocket, I have uh, somebody gave me this afternoon. I could not believe it, but somebody gave me $500. Five $100 bills. Just a gift. Katie, I've got your attention now, right? The gift of a $100 bill is a $100 bill, right? And brothers and sisters, it just seems to me that the gift of the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit that God gives to all people that obey Him. 
And that's why Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18, flee fornication. You know what that means? Flee sexual immorality. What does that mean? Don't sleep with somebody you're not married to. Don't have sex with somebody you're not married to. He tells us why. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19, he says what? No, you're not. That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit, folks. See this body? You know who lives in this body? Not only does Keith live in this body, the Holy Spirit lives in this body. And everywhere I go, the Holy Spirit goes with me. I go to the bank, the Holy Spirit goes. I go to the grocery store, the Holy Spirit goes. I go to Walmart, the Holy Spirit goes. I go home, the Holy Spirit goes. I come to church, the Holy Spirit comes. And Paul says, Keith, you're not going to have sex with somebody you're not married to because the Holy Spirit is living in you. The Holy Spirit is watching you wouldn't do that if the Holy Spirit were watching. Truth about it is, if you're a Christian, the Holy Spirit is watching. So flee sexual immorality. Don't commit adultery because the Holy Spirit lives in your body. So there's one body and one spirit, even as you're called in one hope of your calling. The word hope carries with it at least two ideas. First of all, it carries with the idea of desire. Something you want. Something you really, really want. And then number two, something you really, really expect. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. You probably would never ever say, I hope to get sick. Is there anybody in this audience that hopes to get sick? Well, you don't want to get sick. You may have been exposed to some sickness. Somebody in your family may be sick. You might expect to get sick. But down deep, you don't want to get sick. You probably would never ever say, I hope to get fired. Is there anybody in this audience that hopes to get fired? You don't want to get fired. You might expect it. You may have messed up at work, disappointed your boss, but you don't want to get fired. So you would not say, I hope to get fired. You probably would never ever say, I hope to be a billionaire. I hope to be a billionaire. Is there anybody in this audience that hopes to be? Now, you might want to be a billionaire, but down deep you probably don't expect to be a billionaire. You probably would never ever say, I hope to go to the moon. Now, you might want to go to the moon. You might want to be an astronaut, but down deep you probably don't expect to go to the moon. What is hope? Hope is desire, something you really, really want. And number two, it's desire coupled with expectation, something you really, really expect. Now, folks, folks, I know you want to go to heaven. I know you want to be saved. You wouldn't be in church on a Sunday night unless you wanted to go to heaven. But honestly, I'm just asking, honestly, do you expect by God's grace to be saved? Some time ago, I was teaching a Bible class. I had 85 students in this Bible class most of whom members of Churches of Christ. And I asked the question like this. If Jesus were to come today, or if you were to die, would you go to A, heaven, B, hell, C, I do not know, or D, neither heaven or hell? The number one answer in that Bible class was C. Number one answer, C. Three in that Bible class of 85 students said, if I were to die, I would not go to heaven. I would not go to hell. Neither heaven or hell. Frankly, I don't understand that answer. But three of them said, ah, uh, neither heaven or hell. Eleven in that Bible class were totally, completely honest. Eleven said, I'm lost. I'm hell bound. Thirty-one said, praise God. I'm going to heaven. Heaven is my home. 
But 40, 4-0, 40 in that Bible class said, I don't know. I want to ask you the very same question. If you were to die right now or if Jesus were to come tonight. And wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus came tonight? You just missed a wonderful time to say amen, so I'll give you another shot. Wouldn't it be wonderful if Jesus came tonight? If Jesus came tonight, would you go to A, heaven, B, hell, C, I do not know, or D, neither heaven or hell? Let me tell you what some of you are thinking. Well, I'm not sure. You know, I want to go to heaven, but I'm just not sure. And maybe it's the devil that's placed those doubts in your heart, or maybe you've lived in a way that you have a reason to doubt. And folks, tonight, we don't want you to leave with doubts. We don't want you to leave discouraged. We want you to leave with hope, the hope of eternal life. That's our hope, Titus 1 and verse 2. He goes on to say, There's one body and one spirit, even as you're called, and one hope of your calling, one Lord. One Lord. Who's the Lord of your life? Who is your Lord? I think about what Jesus said in that great sermon. The greatest sermon that was ever preached was not preached by Joseph. The greatest sermon that was ever preached was not preached by me. The greatest sermon that was ever preached was preached by our brother, our brother Jesus. The great sermon of the mount. What did Jesus say in Matthew 7 and verse 21? Not everyone that says unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter. First of all, he tells us who's not going to go to heaven, who's not going to be saved. Not those who just cry out, Lord Jesus. Lord, come into my heart. Lord, I believe. Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter. But then he tells us who's going to make it to heaven. But he who is doing, he who is surrendering, he who is living the will of my Father, which is in heaven. So I'm asking you, is Jesus your Lord? Uh, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord? Why do you call me Lord, Lord? And do not the things that I say, Luke 6, 46. There's one Lord, and then he says there's one faith. There's one faith. You know, brothers and sisters, this book, the Holy Bible, this book is a message of faith to which we respond in faith, without faith. It is, you remember the scripture, don't, don't you? Hebrews 11 and verse 6, without faith is what? It's impossible to please God. The word impossible simply means without strength, without, without power. Let me illustrate what I'm talking about. I, I don't have the strength or the power to move the wall. Uh, you say, Keith, I could do it with a machine, so could I. I'm not talking about machine, I'm talking about muscle. I don't have the strength or the power to move the wall. It's impossible for me to move this wall. Without faith, you do not have the strength or the power to please God. But then he goes on to say in Hebrews 11 and verse 6, For he that comes to God must believe that he is. We've got to believe that God exists. We've got to believe in Genesis 1.1. And then he says, and... He'll reward you if you what? Seek Him how? Diligently. A few days ago, I was down in Alabama. Did you hear about Cupcake from Birmingham? Came up missing, kidnapped at random. Somebody got her, killed her? How do you think her parents, her family searched for that little girl who came up missing? 
Do you think they were laid back about it, casual about it? Do you think if a group of people got together and say, hey, we're going to go look for a cupcake, do you think that mom and dad said, y'all go on? Do you think the family said, oh, we're too busy? Why, if you're a parent, if you're involved with a family and somebody comes up missing, at that point in your life, there's nothing else that truly matters. The only thing that matters is, man, we've got to find our child. And that's what I see in Hebrews 11, verse 6. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you come to me, God says, you've got to believe that I am, and you've got to believe that I'll reward you. God says, oh, I want to reward you, but you've got to believe that I'll reward you if you seek me. Not casually, if you seek me, not lukewarmly, but if you seek me diligently, just like a parent would look for a kidnapped kid. Are you seeking God diligently? Oh, there is one faith. The gospel is a message to which we respond in faith. So Paul says there's one body and one spirit. Even as you're called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. A few minutes ago, some of you did not raise your hand. I asked you, how many baptized believers do we have in this audience? Many of you raised your hand. Some of you did not raise your hand. We want you to know, we want you to know, we love you. This church loves you. God loves you. And more than anything in the world, God wants you to be His child. You say, Keith, how do, how do I become a child of God? Acts 18 and verse 8 is very, very plain. Acts 18 and verse 8, the Corinthians hearing, believed, and they were baptized. Acts 18 and verse 8, they heard the message about Jesus. They trusted the message about Jesus. And in baptism, they obeyed the message of Jesus. Have you been baptized? Teenagers, 13, 14, 17 years old, have you been baptized? Moms and dads, have you been baptized? I think about the story back Acts chapter 8. The Ethiopian, you remember the story? He was, uh, he was doing this. He was on his way back home reading the Bible. He was reading about Jesus from Isaiah. The Christian, Philip, comes along and says, Hey, sir, do you understand what you're reading? And the guy from Ethiopia said, well, <laughs> how can I? I need somebody to help me. And you remember the story? Philip begins right there in Isaiah 53, and he talks to this guy from Ethiopia about Jesus. Well, as they went on their way, they came to some water, and this guy from Ethiopia said uh, to the preacher, hey, Philip, Philip, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And you remember what happened, man? They stopped that wagon, that vehicle, that chariot, and they went down into the water. Who? The preacher and the sinner. And the preacher baptized him. And Scripture says, Acts 8 and verse 39, and when they were come up out of the water, and see, that's what baptism is. It's a going down into the water and a coming up out of the water. And Jesus put it like this in Mark 16, 16, anybody that believes and is baptized shall be saved. So, there's one body and one spirit, even as we've called, been called in one hope of our calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Then Paul says in verse 6, Ephesians 4, there's one God and Father of all, who's above all, through all, and in you all. Today, I did a funeral of a fellow by the name of Ken. Ken was my friend. And Michelle 
his daughter lost her father. Not a good thing to lose a father. I lost my father about six and a half years ago. I miss him every day. I miss him every day. I lost my father-in-law, my, my, wife's, my wife's dad. I, I lost my wife's dad, my father-in-law, about six years ago. If your daddy is still living, go out of your way to say, Boy, Dad, I love you. I, I love you. Say that to your daddy. If you don't learn anything else from this lesson, just say, Hey, Dad, I love you. I wish that my father were still here so that I could say, Daddy, I love you. No pawpaw. But I'm telling you, folks, I still have my father. My father's gone, but I still have my father. There's one God and Father of all who's above all, through all, and in you all. It's a very simple question. Is God your father? How close are you with your father? Have you told God your father lately? Father, I love you. Have you, have you said that and, and meant it? Jesus said, if you love me, obey me, John 14, 15. As a Christian, are you walking towards your father who's in heaven? Is God your father? Maybe you did not raise your hand a few minutes ago. You, you've never been baptized out of Christ. Scripture says, Galatians 3, 26 and 27, we're all the children of God by faith. For as many of us as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Tonight, God can be your Father. Jesus taught us to pray our Father in heaven. You can't pray that if you're not His child. Some of us need to become children of God. You can do that tonight. You say, Keith, what will I say when I come forward? Just come and say, you know, I, I want to become a child of God. I, I, I want God to be my Father. I want to be baptized into Christ. And tonight, this very night, God can become your Father. You say, Keith, I, I'm a baptized believer. Oh, I raised my hand a few minutes ago. I'm glad you're a baptized believer. How are you and the Father doing right now? Have you told him lately, Father, I love you? Maybe the most important question is, have you shown the Father? Father, I love you. See, maybe as a baptized believer, you just need to come tonight and simply say, pray for me. I tell you what God wants. God wants us to be a community of unity. God wants His people to stick together. And wouldn't it be great if we could pray for a few of us tonight. You need to be prayed for? Why don't you come? Need to be baptized into Christ? Why don't you come? As together, as a community of unity, we stand and we sing this great invitation song.